And so today, I thought I would start with a story. And the book of Matthew, it's also in Mark, and it's in Luke. And it's about the transfiguration of Jesus on the mount. So if you would turn your word with me to Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 13. What are our greatest needs? Are they food, clothing, shelter? Those things certainly are important, but is there a greater need? In Matthew 16, before that chapter 17, Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. Jesus then went on to tell his disciples that he would soon be rejected and be put to death. Jesus then tells his disciples that we as his disciples must take up our cross and follow him. Matthew 17, 1 through 13, it reads, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before him before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said, Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And he was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise. And have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And Jesus answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Men, man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. This event occurred six days after Jesus had predicted his death. The disciples still didn't understand why Jesus was here. They still had visions of a political or a military, military messiah. And as our text opens, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a mountain. It starts out as a seemingly uneventful trip up a mountain. Jesus, you want us to go? Okay. Perhaps they'll find some solitude and quiet. Maybe Jesus wants to pray. And the disciples fall asleep. 
when you read it in Mark, the disciples couldn't stay awake. And I can just imagine going up a mountain, and it doesn't say what mountain they climbed. But we can think about 2,000 feet, 4,000 feet. Like, how high did they really climb? And for Jesus to have shown so bright, was it at dark? Did it take them all day? Did it take them all day? And they would have been worn out and tired. And here the disciples are sleeping. And then suddenly it happens. Moses and Elijah are presented on that mountain, appearing out of nowhere. And they're talking with Jesus. And the disciples wake up. And they see that there are three. Now there's something you don't see every day. Moses had died approximately 1,400 years before this event took place. And Elijah had been taken up to heaven in a chariot about 850 years earlier. Yet here they are. Now that had to have been an impressive sight for these three disciples. Can you imagine the thoughts that were racing through their minds at the moment? It had to have been a moment like no other they'd ever experienced in their lives up to that point. Now, if that weren't enough, something spectacular happened to Jesus as well. While all this is going on, Jesus' face turns a bright white and his radiating light from within. This isn't the sun or some other outside source of light reflecting off of Jesus. This is Jesus shining light from within himself. Visible proof that he is indeed the light of the world. Up to this point, Jesus had appeared just like any other man. Isaiah had told us in Isaiah 53 too, he had told us the Messiah's appearance would have no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. And yet here he's glowing this bright white from within. It's pretty clear who Jesus is. Now before we move on, there's great significance in this picture we have on this mountain. The Old Testament scriptures are often described as the law of the prophets by Jesus himself in the New Testament. Here on the mountaintop, we see them represented. Moses, you may recall, was the one who led the people of Israel out of Egypt. After that, after they left Egypt, Moses made his own trip up a mountain. In this case, it was Mount Sinai. And it was there that God gave Moses and the people of Israel the Ten Commandments, the law. In fact, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, were considered to be the books of the law, the Torah, as the Hebrews called it. So Moses' appearance there represented the law. Elijah had the reputation among the Jews as the greatest of the prophets. Who can forget the great things he did in his ministry? There were others who followed him as prophets, with John the Baptist being the last of them. Yet Elijah was the embodiment of the prophets. 
His presence on that mountain represented the prophets and their writings of the Old Testament. So we have Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets. And they're on this mountain pointing to Jesus and talking with him. And what exactly are they talking about? Are they talking about the spectacular show they're putting on for Peter, James, and John? Are they encouraging Jesus to stay on this mountain and be a superhuman trinity? No. Let's look at Luke chapter 9, verse 30 through 31 and see what Luke's saying about the Mount of Transfiguration. It says, and behold, two men were talking with him, Jesus, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. His departure at Jerusalem. Notice they were not talking about Jesus' glorious appearance. They're not talking about how they're equal. They're not talking about Jesus' upcoming journey. They're talking about Jesus' upcoming journey to Jerusalem. The way that Jesus would become the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. This was pretty important because this journey to Jerusalem was the very topic of discussion among Jesus and his disciples just a few days earlier. If you back up in the chapter in Matthew Gospel of the 17 and go into 16, Jesus asked his disciples who they thought he was. And it was Peter who was bold to proclaim, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, 16. But just a few verses later, Jesus then tells them why he had come. He told them he'd have to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, be killed and rise again. What Peter's response to this was, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Peter essentially told Jesus, not if I have anything to do about it. You're not going to Jerusalem or suffer or die. I won't let it happen. That didn't sound too glorious to Peter. Peter is not one for suffering. But do you remember what Jesus said to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You see, Peter wasn't one for thinking about being pierced or hurt or any damage being done to the mortal body. To him, suffering wasn't glorious. It wasn't what Peter was looking for. He wasn't looking for a suffering servant. He was looking for a glorious leader, someone who would be great in the eyes of the world. Yet Jesus was quick to tell him, it's not about the things of the world, Peter. You missed the point. You're not listening to me. Peter was so preoccupied with glory the way the world sees it that he lost focus on the things of God which were revealed to him through the word. As Peter sees this great sight on the Mount of Transfiguration, he can't help but be excited. Who wouldn't be 
It's his mountaintop experience. Maybe this is what the crowning achievement of following Jesus was going to be. It's got all the bells and the whistles and the world looks for in an experience that seems to be from God. So naturally, Peter wants to keep a hold of it as long as he can. And he says, Lord, it's good for us that we're here. If you wish, I will make you three tents right here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Peter wants this experience to last. He's going by what his eyes see, not what his ears are hearing. He's ignoring the conversation that's taking place between Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. He's back to his old way of thinking. He wants this visual glory to last forever. Yet while he's asking to set up these three tents, a cloud approaches the mountain and overshadows them. A voice comes from this cloud and says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This wasn't the first time a cloud came along and a voice from heaven spoke over Jesus. You may recall Jesus at Jesus's baptism that a cloud came and the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But notice there is more. On the Mount of Transfiguration, he says, listen to him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, just as Peter is all wrapped up in this glorious appearance of the transfiguration, before he can decide this must be what Jesus was destined to do, he hears God the Father himself say, listen to him. There are a lot of religions based on emotional experiences. There are even many within the Christian church who claim You need to have a mountaintop experience in order to find God. Yet what happened in our reading for today, did God the Father say, this is my beloved son, climb this mountain and do these things, and you see this vision too? No, the Father said, listen to him. We used to go to a church where the slogan was once you go to the mountaintop, you never have to reign in the valley anymore. It's no coincidence that once the Father told those disciples on that mountain to listen to Jesus, that everything else was God. Moses and Elijah were no longer there. And Jesus' appearance was the same as it had been before the transfiguration. No bells, no whistles, no angels, no bright lights, no nothing. Just the way it was before in his mortal body. But just because all the overwhelming stuff wasn't there anymore, did that mean Jesus was no longer with the disciples? No. He was right there. He didn't disappear. His word didn't disappear. The disciples left the mountain with a simple command. Listen to him. That's what you come here to do every time we gather for worship. It's easy in a sinful, fallen world that looks for glory and external things to be sought after. 
professional sport teams that win usually draw more fans to their games than teams that have a losing season. People who are judged to have better outward appearances are deemed to be better dates than those who have a great personality but have some physical flaws. Our world has made it the same way with religion. If it doesn't feel like you're close to God, then you must not be following the right way. There are a lot of folks who would tell you that that is crazy that you came today to listen to some old scriptures, sing some songs, and talk about the days of old. You come here week after week to, to do what God the Father told Peter, James, and John to do. Listen to him. Through the scriptures, we hear what our Lord has to say about himself and what he did for us. It may not be glamorous in the eyes of the world, but through the preaching of the word, God is bringing you to faith in Christ or strengthening your faith in Christ. Do you want a God who is only present with you when everything is right? Or do you want a God who promises you in Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always to the end of the age. And why Peter didn't get the point of the transfiguration that day, later on he wrote about that day on the mountain. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic cloud, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That was in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 through 21. Peter realized that his experience on that mountaintop didn't bring him any closer to God than anyone else. But the command, listen to him, was fulfilled and paying attention to Jesus. We may not have been on that mountain of that account and being eyewitnesses like Peter, James, and John, but it tells us we have something even better, his word. I have three things that I've written down, and there's so much more that can come from this like a whole series about the Mount of Transfiguration. But today I want to give you 
3. In our mortality, we need to leave the mountaintop. As a teenager, my family took a trip to Colorado Springs into the Rockies. We camped. We had fun. We toured the area. We went up Pikes Peak, which was like the most amazing mountain to me ever at that time. It was the biggest mountain I'd ever seen. We saw all kinds of wonderful things up on that mountain, but we couldn't stay there forever. We had to leave the mountain. Peter wanted to stay on the mountain. He said, it is good that we are here. In other words, I don't want to leave. He wanted to build tents for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Peter was a man of action, and he wanted to stay put on that mountain. He was so awestruck in, in the deity of who Jesus revealed himself to be, that he didn't want the moment to end. Perhaps we have experienced something like this. It could have been a spiritual high, a mountaintop experience. It could have been anything. We soon realize that we can't hold on to that feeling forever. The disciples needed this experience so that what they were about to face, what was coming in the near future, would help them by faith to stay strong. Jesus' life would soon peak, peak in a frenzied week that would start with adulation and end in death. The mountaintop is the preparation for our daily lives. We have mountaintop experiences spiritually to get us re ready for our daily walk. We are never promised an easy life. Most of our lives are lived in the valley. Jesus and the disciples were on the mountain probably for a whole day. But the mountain only lasted a short time. We live much longer in the day-to-day -day world. We can't hold that moment forever. We can't live on the mountaintop. We also learned that, number two, we need to hush up sometimes and hear God. Mark's account says that Peter spoke because he didn't know what to say. Have you ever known someone who spoke even when they weren't sure what to say? Luke's account says that Peter didn't know what he was saying. Have you ever said something and not known what you were saying? In addition to being a man of action, Peter was a man who would speak first and think later. Have you ever known someone like that? Sometimes we feel like we have to speak up. We chime in acting as though we are an expert. And we wind up looking rather foolish because we don't know what we're talking about. Sometimes we just need to be quiet. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. Notice that while Peter was still talking, the bright cloud of God's glory came, and God spoke. He abruptly interrupted Peter. It was as if God was saying to Peter, hush up and listen. 
Have you ever tried to listen and talk at the same time? Have you ever tried to explain something to someone who wouldn't be quiet? Despite what people say about multitasking, it is impossible to talk and listen at the same time. You've probably heard the old cliche about why we have two ears and one mouth. We should listen twice as much as we talk, or listening is twice as hard as talking. The Apostle James, James 1.19, instructs us, be quick to hear and slow to speak. When we pray, we should have time when we are quiet so we can listen to what God says. Prayer is more than taking our wish list to God. It involves listening to what he says to us. God speaks from the bright cloud the same words that he spoke when John the baptized Jesus, John the Baptist baptized Jesus, And he just finishes it with another sentence. Listen to him. Listening means to hear, take heed, understand, and put in action. It's not enough just to hear. It's not enough just to understand. We have to put into action. My kids are all grown up now, but I remember telling my kids to clean up their rooms Was I happy if they just heard me? Was I happy if they just knew what I wanted them to do? Was I happy when they actually would go in there with a shovel and a bulldozer and clean it up? We have to put into action what Jesus tells us. And we only know what to do when we are quiet and listen. We also learn and notice number three that Jesus is all we need. Understandably, this terrified the disciples. They didn't understand what was going on. There was Moses and Elijah representing the law and the prophets. There was this bright cloud and the voice of God. They fell in fear and hid their faces. And when they looked up, what did they see? Jesus. Jesus is all we need. He is our Savior, provider, protector, defender, boss, and friend. He is all we need. He is the Son of God, as was demonstrated in this passage. What more do we need? Notice that Jesus went and touched them. Jesus was continually comforting his disciples. Jesus is there to comfort us, too. When we go through difficulties in life, Jesus is there to comfort us. He is there to touch us on the shoulder and say, rise and have no fear. Life won't be easy, but we have Jesus. They saw many wonderful things on that mountaintop, but who was it with them when they were going back down the mountain? Jesus. Jesus is with us. In our daily walk, he he doesn't stay on the mountaintop. Jesus and the disciples had many more things to come to the valley and do. There was a crowd, and and the rest of the disciples were waiting at the bottom 
of the mountain and it was already time to go back to work. What did Jesus do? What he came to do, deliver and heal and set us free. Are you in the valley? Where, where are you? Are you on the mountain? Are you listening to God? What is he telling you? That's why we take time every day to just get quiet before God and still and listen. Are you hanging on to stuff that you don't need? Jesus says, I am your comforter. I am your deliverer. I am your strong tower, and I'm strong enough. Give it over to me. For when we are weak, he is strong. What is it that can sometimes hold us captive in our minds? That we're thinking that we need that mountaintop experience and we need to stay there, or, or, or we just don't feel close enough to God. But it's in the valley where Jesus took the disciples back and the other disciples were waiting. And it was just a few weeks before we would see Jesus dying on the cross and his resurrection. Sometimes the puzzle pieces are not all put together, but through his word, God gives us what he wanted us to have. We ask the Holy Spirit, to help teach us the word and take it into our hearts and minds where God gives it purpose and what he wants us to see and he wants us to hear. And we need to be listening instead of chatting and talking, talking at God, thinking that we know better than God. Pastor Rick. Hallelujah. Transfiguration. What a great thing. It happens every time someone comes to Christ. They change. They get born again. The old man dies. And then the new man raises to life. See, if you've accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are not who you used to be. You're not what you used to be. The way we were created, we were created as a spirit, soul, and body. The spirit man gets born again, raised to new life. The soul, the mind, the will, the intellect, and the emotion... The only way that we can help out is by getting into the Word and washing our minds with the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to just saturate us. When we have the Word of God saturate our minds, it gets in line with the spirit man that's been created on the inside. Transfiguration. But like Misty said, you know, you can't stay on the mountain. Because there's lost and dying people out there. And they need that living, loving Jesus that you have on the inside. And you're going to be the only one that maybe can resemble, show who Jesus is 
to some people. And so I'm going to pray for each and every one of you first. Father, I thank you for the word that came out this morning, transfiguration to change, to listen to Jesus. And Father, I pray that every single one here listens to Jesus. Father, there might be some here right now that we haven't been listening. Maybe some people, they've not accepted you, Jesus, as their Savior. Maybe some are not walk, walking in the Word and accepted you as their Lord. If that's you on either one of those two occasions, today's your opportunity. He's knocking on your heart right now. Just raise your hand if that's anybody in here at all. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Now the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ that you'll be saved. So it's not raising of the hand. The raising of the hand was just courtesy for me. But I'll tell you, if you didn't raise your hand, here's the opportunity right now. We're all going to pray together. We're all going to trust God, believe together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, today I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Today I will not be the same. I will not be the same. In Jesus' name, amen.